Last Sunday, we paused our look at the book of Romans by looking at Doubting Thomas and how after the resurrection, Doubting Thomas had an encounter with the Lord Jesus that left him a committed believer and never again did he have a shadow of a doubt about the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this morning, we want to return to the book of Romans, and we're going to look at a single passage, a small section of chapter 14, verses 9 through 12, when Paul focuses on the importance of the resurrection, is establishing the fact of who Jesus is and what he's going to do in the future. We'll look at that in just a moment. I've shared with you from the very beginning that this is Paul's letter to the 21st century, how words from 2,000 years ago were relevant to the first century to the people that he wrote them to, but those words are also relevant for us, and this message is relevant for us. So what does it matter to us, what Paul said to people over 2,000 years ago? How can the words wrote so long ago be relevant to us now? Well, what I want to show you this morning is that these words are not only vitally relevant to us right now, but those words are still relevant to the, to the people who heard them 2,000 years ago. How in the world can that be? Well, this little section of the 14th chapter of Romans shows us how. We're going to read Romans chapter 14, verses 9 through 12, and we're going to talk about the judgment seat of God. The judgment seat of God. Romans 14, beginning to read in verse 9. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother, or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, as it is written, As I live, says the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Now, I want to read that same passage. I read it from the English Standard Version. I want to read that same passage from the New Living Translation. Romans chapter 14, verses 9 through 12. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each one of us will give a personal account to God. Those are very important words. I'm going to say four things about them, and then we'll close. Number one, the Bible says here that Jesus is Lord of the living and the dead. That's important. He's Lord of the living and the dead. The cross was not an accident of history. It was the plan of God for Jesus to die, to be buried, and to rise again on the third day. And for Paul, the resurrection had one particular significance and he tells us about that all the way at the beginning of the book of Romans chapter 1 
verse 4. You might like to look at that verse where Paul said about Jesus, he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the way Paul began the book of Romans. The very, the, the, in four verses, the fourth verse, he says, he, he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Notice verse 9 that we read earlier from chapter 14. Christ died and rose again for this very very purpose to be, to be Lord of both the living and the dead. You might remember when Paul wrote Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11, he mentions, uh, he refers to this passage of scripture, which by the way, uh, the passage, you know, I've told you before that Paul is fond of quoting the Old Testament. And what he does is he just quotes from the book of Isaiah in Romans chapter 14, verses 9 through 12. Uh, the section about bowing the knee comes out of the Old Testament. He's quoting from the Old Testament. And so Paul takes that same Old Testament passage and reframes it in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Listen to it beginning in verse 8. Speaking of Jesus, he said, And being found in human form, he humbled himself, Jesus did, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, for that reason, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection uh, established that he is Lord of all. When, he, when we say he is Lord of all, to what extent is he Lord? Is he Lord of Christians only? No. He is Lord of all. He is Lord whether you accept him or not. He is Lord whether you confess him or not. He is Lord whether you bow your knee or not. He is Lord of those in heaven. He is Lord of those on earth. He is Lord of those under the earth. He is Lord of the living and he is Lord of the dead. There's a Greek word we need to consider for just a moment this morning. It comes out of uh, the book of Revelation when... Uh, John, who wrote the book of Revelation, was trying to describe who Jesus is and the extent of his authority. In the world of that day, there was a Roman emperor. You know he was called Caesar. All the Roman emperors were called Caesars. They had particular names, and some of them were more cruel than others. After the time of Paul, the emperor became so cruel, in fact, he focused his cruelty on Christians that he became known as the Pantocrator is a Greek word that means the ruler of everything and everybody. The ruler of all. Lord, basically. Ruler of everything. The Pantocrator. He was called the Pantocrator. And so people trembled because of that. Because that's the way he was described. He's the Pantocrator. We can't, we can't defy Caesar. He's the Pantocrator after all. 
He's Lord. He's ruler. He's in charge. And so to help Christians understand who Jesus was, who God was, John wrote in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, he says, the Bible says about God, this is what, who God is, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come. In fact, I'm the Almighty. You've read that verse before. Revelation 1.8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty. Only he didn't say the Almighty. That's not the word that he used. That's not the word. Oh, it says that in English. It means the all ruler. The Greek word that he used there is I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the one who is and was and is to come. I'm the one who's in charge of everything. I am the word Almighty is the Greek word Pantocrator, the same word that they threw around about the emperor and his power and his authority. I am that person. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord of all, of the living and the dead. That means he's still Lord of those people that Paul wrote to 2,000 years ago. Second, Jesus will be Lord at the judgment. You'll notice here in verse 10 it says, for we'll all stand before the judgment seat of God. Depending on which translation you have, if you have the King James Version, it says the judgment seat of Christ. Now, if you check all the different English translations, the vast majority of them read the judgment seat of God. Does it matter? Well, I'm going to say to you that to say that we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and to say we'll all stand before the judgment seat of God is to say exactly the same thing. How can that be the same thing? Well, let me show you how it's the same thing. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ because that is the judgment seat of God. Now you say, Brother Eddie, I read my Bible differently. Well, let me just read your Bible to you so that you can see what I'm talking about. John chapter 5, verse 22. And in John chapter 5, verse 22, Jesus said, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. He goes on to say, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, and by the way, when he says he does not come into judgment, he means the thumbs-down judgment. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. 
You say, that's an isolated passage. It, it certainly doesn't say that throughout the New Testament, that Jesus is going to be Lord at judgment. Well, let me just refer you to one more passage of Scripture so you'll understand Peter, when he was preaching in the home of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, he used these words from beginning in verse 38 of Acts chapter 10. He said, you know Jesus of Nazareth. He said, you've heard of this guy. So have you, Jesus of Nazareth. How God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. You know that. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. You know about that. He did that because God was with him. Peter said, we are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on the cross. This Jesus that we're talking about, we're just to know you're just for you to know we're talking about the same Jesus. And God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us. And, 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 and we ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us, Jesus did. Peter said, Jesus ordered us, he ordered us to preach to the people and to solemnly testify that this Jesus is the one who has been appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Jesus is Lord even if you don't bow your knee, even if you don't confess him, even if you don't follow him, he'll still be Lord. And on the day of judgment, he will be Lord on the day of judgment. Next, let's think for just a moment. What will it be like to stand before that judgment seat? It says we will give an account of ourselves before him at the judgment seat. Well, we have some pictures in our Bible. What is the judgment seat, by the way? Well, I noticed that the Holman Christian Standard uh, used a little different translation. Uh, it didn't use judgment seat. I like to read the different translations to see the words they used. They, they used the word tribunal. They will stand before the tribunal of God. What does that matter and what does it mean? Well, it just simply paints the picture that this is a courtroom setting, which that's what judgment is, isn't it? It's a courtroom setting. But the judgment seat is a Greek word, bima, and the Greek word bima just simply means judgment seat, but it means a place approached, a high place approached by steps. So you can imagine, in the Old Testament, it talks about Solomon's throne and the steps that ascended Solomon's throne and the majesty of Solomon's throne. But there's a picture, so we're going to look at some pictures of judgment in the Bible, of this kind of judgment. One of those, by the way, happened in church. Not in church church, but in the temple. Isaiah was in the temple one day, and he said, I was in, I was in the temple. He was in the year that King Uzziah died, and suddenly, suddenly, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up. And there were shining angels all around him. And they were crying, holy, holy, holy. And I said, 
Woe is me, for I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, after all, and, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was overwhelmed that he stood before the presence of God. That was in the temple. You can imagine what it would be like on Judgment Day. There's another picture in our Bible. It's a picture found in the book of Daniel. There was a man named Belshazzar. He was a king, and he took the vessels. He stole the vessels of gold his father had, the, the vessels of gold out of the temple, and uh, he decided to have a party. And so they poured liquor into the vessels of gold, and they began to drink out of the vessels of gold. And not only did they drink out of the vessels of gold that were in the silver, but they began to praise the gods of gold and silver and brass and wood and iron and stone. And suddenly, suddenly, in the middle of that party, he saw a hand, and the hand began to write on the wall. He didn't understand the words that were written on the wall. And they looked everywhere for somebody that could interpret the words. Finally, they found Daniel. And Daniel read the words and he said, This is what the words say to you, king, that you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Your kingdom is numbered and finished. And that night he died. He found himself standing before the judgment of God. And he said, How is that judgment? I just ask you, is that hand that wrote on the wall? The same hand that wrote on the ground when they brought the woman caught in adultery before Jesus and as Jesus began to write on the ground person by person they dropped their stones and walked away there's another picture in the Bible uh, Paul on one occasion was carried uh, to trial he was carried before a, a Roman governor who was called Felix and as he Felix sat on the judgment seat. That's what he did. And he listened to Paul's case and delayed making a decision about it for a while. But in the, in the process of delay, Felix himself decided to take his wife, who was a Jew, and they would go and they would sit down and talk with Paul and hear this gospel message that Paul had to share. And so the Bible says as, as, as Felix listened to Paul and Paul talked about righteousness and self-control and judgment, the judgment to come, that this very Felix, who was Paul's judge, suddenly trembled. He trembled. It's the thing to do if you're thinking about standing before God in judgment. Of course, Felix, maybe like some of you, put that off, said, I don't need to think about that today. I'll think about that another day. There's one more picture in the Bible. It's in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 and 12, and it's the picture of the judgment throne of God John wrote, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Jesus Paul said, is Lord of the living and the dead. Jesus will be Lord at the judgment, and it will be a terrifying thing to stand before him. And then finally, we need to see that what Paul says here, clearly in these verses in Romans, is that you and I will stand before that judgment seat. And don't get the idea this is going to be some fast-sweeping judgment that comes over 
people, you know, we'll get to, you know, how you get comfort when you're, when you're afraid, what do you do? You, you cling to somebody, you get close to somebody, you get close to your parents, or you get close to your friends, you hide behind the biggest person so they can shelter you. There'll be no safe rooms for snowflakes to go hide on the day of judgment because it won't be a group thing. It'll be an individual thing. Makes it very clear here. This will be individuals. The word stand before is a word that means to appear. We will appear. We will make our appearance and each one of us, I will give an account to God. You will give an account to God. You say, Brother Eddie, what about the judgment? This judgment, that I don't, let's don't get all the judgments. Let's just say all of us are going to stand before God in judgment. And the judge on that day, seated on the throne, is going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be there personally. I will be there personally. And he will know everything that you have ever done and everything that I have ever done. You say, how do you know that? I know that because the Bible says so. You remember the story in the Gospel of John of the woman at the well when Jesus was thirsty. He sat down and asked her for a drink of water. And he got into a discussion with her. They first discussed religion. And then after they discussed religion, he asked her to go call her husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, no, you don't have a husband because you've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. And we're not privy to the rest of the conversation he had with her. But when he was through talking with her, this woman was so changed and so transformed that she left her water pot at the well and she went back into the city and she went and told the men. It's in John chapter 4, verse 29. Come and see a man who told me everything that I have ever done. Everything. Oh my goodness. Everything I have ever done. The Bible says, every, Jesus said, every idle word that men will speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. And the idle word is a mumbling word. It's that word you say under your breath when you walk away, when your wife says, would you get the garbage and put it in the garbage can and you, you know, kick your foot and stomp out like a little teenage boy. Every idle word, every word that you say under your breath, you'll give an account of it in the day of judgment. All of us will appear. So what should you do? Well, Paul says what you need to do is you need to bow your knee and you need to confess. You need to pledge allegiance to God. Or he would say in the book of Philippians, every knee needs to bow and every tongue needs to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you've never done that, if you've never put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the only escape for judgment. The Bible says Jesus is the one who rescues us from the wrath to come. Now, what I'd like to do is finally sew this up with one last stitch, and it's a couple of verses from the Old Testament. Psalm 2. Psalm 2. David was writing, and he wrote, Remember, hundreds of years before Christ, this is what David wrote. Psalm 2, verses 10 through 12. Just to, to, to remind you now, Jesus is Lord. He's the Pantocrator. He's the ruler of all. He's the head honcho. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss 
the Son, S-O-N, or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Jesus is the Pantocrator. He's the ruler of all. He's the Lord of all. He's the Lord of the living and the dead. He will be Lord on the day of judgment. And you and I will appear personally before him. Let's pray.